In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I am coming off of a, I don't know, moderately warm weekend in Florida for Camp Fi, which is kind of like summer camp for people who are interested in doing things differently with their life. And I must say, I have come to think that money is the least interesting thing to talk about. And I'm not saying I'm not interested in money or I'm not thinking you don't need to get your money right or figure things out and and be stable with money. But I think it's because I'm just not motivated by money. And once I've gotten past the motivation and the hype and all of those things related to money, it just became less interesting to talk about through both my own money story and working alongside high net worth individuals, I've come to learn that money does not equal happiness. And the sooner we can detach our worth and purpose from money, I think the higher the odds for contentment and fulfillment. And that is certainly not easy, which is why I was excited to have this conversation today. But before I jump into that episode, I wanted to mention that many have asked how they can follow our family gap year journey. And I've decided that the best place to stay connected through all of this will be through our email list. If you go ahead and subscribe, ordinarysherpa.com backslash subscribe, the link is in the show notes, and choose family gap year adventure topic. There's a couple other topics you can choose from. So choose whatever you're interested in and then subscribe to the email list. And that will be the best place. That's kind of like the go-to place. I have started a blog and we'll share some stories there and deeper learnings on life on the road with three kids and a dog and all the real life stuff that goes with that. But more importantly, the email list will kind of be where I will go behind the scenes and be much more personal. I'll also be posting on Instagram and I'll try to keep the podcast up to date. But the podcast is not intended to highlight just our gap year. It was more about inspiring families to connect through simple and authentic adventures. And a gap year is not simple. It might be authentic, but I just wanted to make sure that I stay in tune with what the message is of the podcast. So there will occasionally be some highlights from the gap year. But for the most part, you're going to keep hearing things like you've heard in the past. So if you're interested in following all of that, join the email list. Again, the link is in the show notes. Our guest today is a rock and roll roadie at heart and by first career. She specializes in working with those in the public eye to keep them in integrity with who they are and what they want to be while also in enjoying the life they are living. She is a mental health and mindset expert known for sharing real talk with heart, calling you to uncover and honor who you are, and empowering you to claim your joy daily with her first book, F the shoulds, do the wants, through social media, her Claim It podcast, and owned your awesome daily inspiration app. Trisha Huffman, also known as your dryologist, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love this title, Joyologist. Can we just start with that for a second? Like, how does one, I think you made this title up, right? Is this actually a title that uh, you held? And where did that kind of come from? 
Yeah, most people assume that I ordained myself as a <laughs> <laughs> joyologist, and I didn't actually. I made up a role for artists on tour to support them, and I didn't have a title for it, and the production manager was just like, okay, so Trisha's the joyologist. And it stuck. It stuck for a reason because obviously like everyone then chose to call me that and I ended up making my brand after that. So I do um, own it, but I actually even struggle with it at times. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you do. Okay, so let's go back further. You are, uh, what's the story of Trisha Hoffman and how did she become a joyologist helping artists on tour? Yeah, so I was a live sound engineer. So that's how I ended up on tour. I always loved live music, going to concerts. I would go to like any concert in high school, didn't matter the music, just loved it and was really into the sound, even though I knew nothing about it. So I would see the people controlling the soundboard and knew I wanted to do that, but didn't know what it was called. And so I made that happen. And I was touring the world with artists and I became the sound engineer that's on stage that controls what every single person on stage is hearing, which is a monitor engineer. So anyway, so I was working very closely with living legends, icons. I was living my dream and I absolutely loved my life. And I was like witness to these people who were living their biggest dreams because they were singing their own songs to adoring fans all over the world, like really like had it all. And I was witness to this. And I don't think I really would have done anything except for the fact that during that time, my, my father passed away very suddenly, like an accident. And that really shook me up more than I ever could have expected any loss to have. And it really just made me want to shake people on the streets and be like, what are you doing? Your life could end tomorrow. Like, why do you look so miserable? And knowing there are real reasons to be miserable, because I also was like in the middle of grief and was like, wow, Mm -hmm. life is precious. And so having that experience made me in tune with the fact that like, what the heck? There's these people that have everything that they've dreamt of, and it still doesn't seem like enough like that they're still struggling to find joy and to feel like they're enough and just like enjoy their actual everyday and actually enjoy their dream life that they created. I just saw that. And so I I didn't know what I was going to do, but I gave up my life. Basically, (laughs) I quit everything I was supposed to be. This was in March. I was supposed to be on tour that entire year with a group of people that I loved. I didn't have any money saved up because I would end up traveling on my own when I didn't have a tour. And and then spend all the money I made and then go back on tour. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. That lifestyle worked for me. Anyway, so I gave myself almost a year long pause and I went deep into myself and I gave up the word should, which I ended up writing a book about that came out this year, but which it took more and more years to uncover all of these lessons. By taking that one word out of my vocabulary and swapping it for want, I ended up giving myself this power to create a role that I saw that was needed. I didn't know, like I said, I wanted to shake people up to actually being present to their life and I had no idea how to do that. And so I just decided that I would have to start with the world I knew, which was working with Grammy award-winning artists on the road. Yeah. So that was it. I, I made up what I wanted to do and sold it to someone said yes. And then I didn't have a title for it. Somebody named me the joyologist and it stuck. And it stuck, like I said, because it really is. There's so much that went into that role and that goes into my work currently. That was 
over 10 years ago. That was in 2009 when I was ordained (laughs) by a roadie on tour, the joyologist. It doesn't mean like you ignore the struggles of life, but it's really actually being very present to the realities of life, the realities of your mind, and still making face for joy and a lot of self-compassion, but just really allowing yourself to listen to yourself and be present to your life because again, we don't know what could happen tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Okay. There's so many things there I want to untangle. So just bear with me while we walk back. So you, when you're young and we design our dream lives, you know, I think a lot of times those, like you said, it was, it was exactly what you wanted. And these artists were also living exactly what they wanted. And yet it still didn't feel like enough for them. I'm curious, what kind of things were you doing? Like what kind of things were you experiencing? Can you, cause we do a lot of like travel and adventure on this show. So I'm just kind of curious, can you walk me back to those early days and like, what were some of the tours like? I'm assuming like, super intense, hardcore stuff, and then kind of slow seasons, right? Because, you know, I'm assuming like highs and lows and you're traveling around the world. Is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah. And to be clear, like, it wasn't like I thought I loved my life and I didn't. I was lying to myself. It was like I dreamed up an amazing life for myself. I lived it. And I also felt like there was time for a change. And at that point where my dad died, it still I, I really had felt like there was time for changes in my life. And I did even. I had quit sound a couple times, went to work at a venue as a production coordinator, but then kept keeping pulled into it because, well, I did enjoy it and I was good at it and it was fun and people hired me and paid me good money. But there was a part of me that was craving like, okay, but what's next? And then also sort of being tied to, I loved the identity of that. But yeah, the realities of being a touring sound engineer, I mean, it's, I still miss tour life, to be honest, even though it is so freaking exhausting and intense. And my role of being a monitor engineer was so high pressure. I mean, even with, I worked for, you know, I worked with a lot of different people and sometimes it was just like, oh, they happen to be, you know, coming through this venue or, you know, or like for months or years at a time. I mean, I worked with great people and still it's just like, it's a high pressure position because you are in control of what they are hearing. So their performance somewhat relies on you. Well, absolutely. Bad sound is not good for a, a musician, for sure. It's funny. I, yeah, we were just even watching like the voices with my daughter and I noticed one of the girls went to sing right away and she was like right away signaling to her microphone and somebody off stage and she couldn't hear it. And I'm like telling my kids what's happening. Like she can't hear herself right now. Anyway, it was a lot. I mean, it was amazing because I was lucky enough to tour with some well-established people. So yeah, we like traveled the world staying in four-star hotels. I flew on private jets, not all the time. It wasn't like all first-class travel, but like everything is taken care of and paid for and did stay in very nice hotels. And also the like community that you build in the touring family is so special. You are living on tour buses with these people every day for months. And they might not be the people you would be wanting to spend that time with. (laughs) Like, of course, on every tour, there's gonna be those. But at the same time, you like, it becomes this like Mm, family, right? Like you end up loving them in some way. There's also, of course, some very toxic tour environments that I was a part of. And it was interesting because I also was like, once I'm on the bigger tours that are in the biggest venues or the bigger name, then that will probably mean something about me and my level of success, right? And I found that when I was on the biggest name thing, it was the most toxic environment. (laughs) But I was lucky, and that was a big life moment, like actually choosing to leave the tour that was like the biggest one on my, you know, resume Mm, because of how I felt. Anyway, I mean, it really was like 
fun and amazing, but yeah, at the same time, like really heightened emotions and very exhausted. And then, yeah, you'd come off tour and there is a lot and not really knowing when your next tour is. So like the feast and famine, and that can always be challenging. I feel like early on, I did a pretty okay job with that. And like I said, I would just sort of end up saving money up and then I'd go like, oh, I'm going to go to Costa Rica for a month. Oh, I'm going to go here. I went, I would like road trip across the country. I didn't have places to live for a lot of that time in my life. I just had a storage unit and would like fly in and out and change my clothes and maybe sublet a friend's house if they were out of town working or yeah, visit friends, like go back to visit my family or yeah, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do this yoga retreat in Bali. So it was a really amazing time in my life that I look at fondly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And I think it makes sense because that in and of itself is as you're chasing something, you're learning something along the way. I love, I want to dive into this, you know, this break that you took where you took the word should out of your language, out of your vocabulary. So obviously that had a profound impact on your life. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? And in terms of like how that experiment came to be and what you learned about yourself in that process? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had this feeling like, okay, I'm giving up sound. I'm done with this. I don't know what I'm doing. I like had this, like, I need to be doing more with my life in a way thing and like shake people up. But I had no idea what to do. And I don't know where this message came from. Like, it feels like I must have read it or someone must have told me, but I can't place it. And I've been trying for over a decade. To figure it out. <laughs> but anyway, I just was like, okay, I'm done with the word should. Maybe I had heard it somehow in passing. And I was like, I'm not going to use the word should. And to me, this seemed like it was going to be a really easy undertaking because I didn't think I lived a life of shoulds at all. I really didn't. I did do what I wanted. But when I actually chose to focus on the word should, and I committed 2000%, I had no idea how much that word was embedded in my language. And then because of that, like my mentality, even though in many of the big ways in life, I hadn't let it hold me back, really the most challenging way is the everyday ways that it still comes up. So I really committed and I wouldn't let myself say the word. Like day one, I would be like, what should, and I would just pause and be like, what do I say here? I Wow. I didn't realize I used this word so much. So like, what can I actually say instead? And so I then tried out some other different words. What ended up being the go-to for me was changing the word should when I read it, like when it came up to me, like in conversation or also in my thoughts, whatever was, how can I change this that word out for want? And so it could have been the smallest thing, like, you know, oh, I should really be out of bed, get out of bed by now. Then it would just make me, instead of taking that as a fact and like me ordering myself around, oh, well, do I want to get out of bed? It really ended up me examining so much of just paying attention to this one word had me paying attention to my thoughts, my beliefs, my speech, and what I was really thinking and feeling. And then the ability to not take that as this is the truth. Let me question that. Why do I feel like I should get out of bed? Oh, because it's 9 a.m. Right. But you don't have a job. You have no idea what you're doing with the life. You're in grief. Do I actually want to get out of bed? Or is I just feeling like I'm lazy? A good person would be out of bed by now. So these ways I would realize that so often with the shoulds, we were looking outside of ourselves or me in that situation. But now, because I basically feel like I've been studying it for years. And so that's why I have the whole book about it now. But like, right. we're looking outside of ourselves for our answers. And the want made it come to me, come back to me. What do I want? Why do I want that? And really so often like should is like comparison, not feeling like we're not enough. Like we are so mean to ourselves. 
And we don't realize it because it's so much is, like I said, embedded into our language and then thought. So even though I gave the word up over a decade ago, I still have been so committed that when I read a book to my kids, if it says should, I exchange it for something else. Because I'm like, if I just act like it's no big deal, what if I slip all the way in and I lose this self-awareness? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so it's been that long, but I still, like I said, feel the weight of it still every day. And then I have to like, then I also have work on like, okay, going through my feelings, which again, I go through in the book, but looking at that, it changed my life in so many more ways. And I did become so self-aware of what was going on. And so again, like looking at, oh, this is a doubt. This is a fear. This is me telling myself I'm not enough. And with that was a lot of self-compassion. So it's not like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm doubting myself. Oh, here I am feeling like I'm not enough. I'm like, let me just pick myself out. But looking at, wow, this is, that's a lot. How just our human minds work so much to act as if we should do this. We should look like this. We should have this. These are the ways we should do it, should be. I should say yes to whatever my friends are asking me of because I want them to think I'm a good person you know, you're exhausted all of the time or whatever the thing is. So it really just became the guiding light in my life and being able to examine everything just by paying attention to that one word. Yeah. So I had heard a a phrase a long time ago and I used it for a long time in leadership because it was helpful for me to to not shoot on anyone (laughs) Mm. because I also didn't want to project that external belief. So as much as I was doing it internally, which I still have some work to do, I'm going to share one in just a second. I also found... I could be a good human person and a good friend by not shooting like, oh, you should do this or you should. I'm like, that's really not even being a good friend either or a good partner or a good mom. Well, I mean, I could start projecting on myself here. And I almost found it. It was easier for me to not shoot on other people than it was to not shoot on myself. And I thought that was a fascinating journey. Mm. And I don't know where I think I actually was listening to you on a podcast saying like, so how do you get over this? How do you start? If you find yourself, if you make a list of all your shoulds, like what are those things that you're working on? And I did, and I was just going to read a couple of them and we can kind of, are you okay if I just like just dissect these a little bit? Yeah. Okay. I have like three or four that I'll share with you. I have some that are a little deep and I'm not ready to go there on the podcast, but (laughs) just some simple ones. Like I should meditate more often. Well, do I really want to meditate more often? I don't know. (laughs) But I think it was kind of fun for me to start asking myself, what do I actually want? So talk Mm -hmm. me through like when you're in these scenarios with someone else and, and you're helping not only you and yourself do the work, but help others do the work. Like how do you help them actually believe what they want or understand what they want if they've been in a world of should for so long? A lot of them don't even realize they have no freaking clue what they want because it's just so much. We take in so much information all the time. And so then our brain is like filing in a way as these should files. So it's a lot of times like when we're looking for an answer within ourselves, we think it's coming from us, but like, or is that just some shoulds I collected, right? Like, so even looking at when you're like, I should meditate more. So we'll be like, like, okay, well, do why is, is it that you really do want to be meditating? Is it feel like, you know, you, so that when people ask you if you meditate, <laughs> I could say yes. Like, yeah, I do it five. You know what I mean? That's such a silly thing, but it's like I was just posting about this today on social media. It's as if we think we're in competition at some point. And so it's like, is it just so that I can be like, yeah, I meditate? Yeah. Even if nobody ever asks, you're like walking around, like, yeah, mm-hmm, check that off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also then looking at, well, why does a part of you feel like 
you want that? Is it like, yeah, I want to meditate more because I love how grounded it makes me feel. I love how connected to self. I love like just having that time. So looking at why would I want to meditate more or why do I feel like I should meditate more? And it could be like a valid reason for me, like, oh, I should exercise more, like whatever comes up. Well, why? Because I'm not feeling great right now. Yes. My body can feel it or, you know, oh, I love how I love how I feel when I do this. And also then looking at, oh, because I have have conditioning my entire life that I should exercise this many days a week. And if not, then I'm like a lazy, terrible human who's not trying. You know what I mean? So also just look at, sometimes it's the whys or like, why do I want? And then also uncovering yeah, it's just because I've been fed this stuff my entire life, or I'm looking at what so-and-so does. Well, I see so-and-so, she walks her kids to school three miles every day, and I don't. Like, I should exercise yeah. more, you know? <laughs> like, what is it that's telling you that? And then also, when you look at it, if it is something you really want because you want that impact, for me, what's something like, why would I want this? Why do I feel like I should? And then also, well, what is the end thing? What do you get from meditation? And again, that often could be something you're naming in the want what do I get after I exercise? Like maybe I don't feel like getting my butt up right now and exercising, but you know what? I, I love that feeling after it's done. Oh, so I guess I do want that. Or well, is there something else I could do? Yeah. So maybe it's like, I really should meditate more, but like that's not working. Okay. What if I just do like three deep breaths right now? You know? So sometimes it's also then giving yourself this flexibility because sometimes we also don't do the things that we want because we feel like we should be doing it a certain way. Oh, I should be doing the 20-minute transcendental meditation, but I don't have time for that, so I just don't meditate. Great. What if I try to meditate for 60 seconds? Yeah, exactly. Simplify it, right? Why do we make it so hard? Or like, oh, I should exercise more, but I don't have time for it. Could I put a song on and dance for five minutes right now? Yes. So a lot of times we keep ourselves from doing what we want by these excuses based on what we think the thing should look like. Yeah. And that's actually, that's so funny because I have this list, right? So you named probably three or four of them. I should work out. I should eat healthier. I should go to bed earlier. I should clean the house and get rid of all the stuff. But yet when you look at the end result, if I reframe it, it's that I want to feel good. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel strong. I want to be present in my home and not distracted by all of this stuff. So it's interesting how we let these words kind of define who we think we should be. Like you said, number one and number two, like how do you actually want to feel and do you actually want that thing or are you just doing it because you've been conditioned? It's fascinating. Yeah. One of my like biggest examples, it's not something I want to do. The dishes. <sighs> I do not enjoy doing the dishes. Well, I should be doing the dishes. And like, I've had such an evolution with my dishes, by the way. <laughs> but, and the feel of relaxation on it's, oh, oh my gosh, if I leave my dishes for an entire day and they're just sitting there, it's okay. But I would still like go through this. So it's looking at, well, why do I want to do the dishes? Like, because I feel better when my kitchen is clean. Uh, the reality, I also am going to need to use those dishes. Yes. <laughs> We're going to need some new dishes. And it's not like I would live in clutter. It would just even be, I was trained when I was a kid. As soon as you use a dish, you washed it and put it in the dishwasher or wash it and put it away. My dishwasher does not work great, so I do not rely on my dishwasher much. So to me, it's more of like I'm doing a load of dishes by hand at the end of the day. 
But anyway, so it's like, why do I want to do the dishes? I want that feeling of it's over even. Okay. So it's then it's looking at like, I want to do the dishes because I want that end result. And or like just sometimes reframing it and asking yourself the why and looking at the end result mm-hmm. then changes the energy and makes you like more motivated to do it. And then I also like make it more fun. Like, okay, let me put on a podcast. Let me put on music. Let me put TikTok on. That's like my thing. I like watch TikTok. But it also, it was again, like what part of me, it, it was as if, if I don't do these dishes, then like, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good like house, you know, like head of house or something like that was the thing like weighing on me. So even still, once I would have this conversation and it's like, oh, it was just that. Cause also I would look at what's my energy right now. I don't have the energy capacity or like, I'm going to leave these dishes because I want to play with my kids right now, or I'm going to leave these for the morning because I'm tired. And so I want to choose rest. And then when I'd see them in the morning and be like, Oh, I should have done the dishes. Then I'd remind myself yeah. why I made that choice. Um, but too, like, yeah, it really like was, had to overcome Let it's sort of like, I'm making this choice. Like, what is it? Because it's somehow in ourselves, we're making ourselves, I am not a good mom or I am not a good human. I am not a good homeowner. How dare I leave my dishes for 12 hours, for two days, whatever it is, <laughs> because I'm choosing other things that are my priority. Yeah. But you're saying all the things that I think we've felt at some point in our lives, right? I've said before, I'm like, I'm not a good housewife. And this is why. <laughs> and it's partially because I'm okay living in a mess now because I've decided the things I want in my life. And I know that I'm not like you know, dirty or anything like that. But like, there's enough of a mess that it actually shows we're having a good time in this house. And that's more important to me than having a pristine house. So I think it's interesting how we can identify with different parts of that and allow that to shine through. Um, Can we talk a little bit about joy? Because I think some of what this leads to is when you start to really undo the shoulds and those expectations that we just got done talking about is it makes space for things that you actually want to show up in your life. And I'm curious, you know, I know the title was given to you around joyologist, but what did that actually mean? Like, how do you help someone work through and reach joy? Yeah. And that's the reason, like I said, I've somewhat would like struggle with it. More so, I think, because in some ways in my mind, I'm like, oh, if I'm calling myself the your joyologist, does that mean I'm like, I'm all high and mighty and better than you? Like, I don't know. There was just some weird thing of even having any sort of like title. So I've gone through phrases where I like, mm, okay, I don't really, like, don't like that. And then I'm back to really like owning it. Yeah. And it's because, again, I am all about being honest with ourselves and choosing joy. We can be really having a rough time or life. It's like, wow, look at what is going on in the world. And that doesn't mean that we have to be stuck in that thing, but it also doesn't mean you have to ignore it. But like, how can you make space for any joy? And sometimes when like really things are down, 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 I swap it for like, how can I nurture myself? wow, I am feeling like what is happening. I can't handle this. Again, whether it's personal stuff or the world. And so it might not be like, oh, it doesn't feel right to like go claim some joy. But it's like, what can I do to nurture myself right now? So you're like coming to yourself from a place of love and compassion. What is the point of being in this life? What is the point of pursuing something, right? Like so often we're pursuing something bigger. Got to get to the next position. Got to make more money. I got to make this dream come true. And I am someone who is consistently creating new things and new dreams. So I'm not saying to not dream, (laughs) but it's seeing that my worth or the proof of who I am is not in that thing. 
whether it's your money, your what kind of car you drive, how many accomplishments you've had. But like you want to do those things and making sure you are enjoying your life right now because you don't know what could happen tomorrow. And also a lot of times we're so focused on these external things or what we think it looks like to be successful, what we think it looks like to be enough, what we think it looks like to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Once we even get to that marker, we don't really even feel it. Like you can check off every single box that you thought would be, I'm there. And you usually just end up adding, okay, now I got to go to here. And so I'm all about paying attention to how am I feeling in my day-to-day life while also on this path and also being okay when there's times of, I don't know what I want in my life and what I want next, because that's the reality of life. How can you make space to take care of yourself, to nurture yourself, to do things that bring you joy so that you can actually see I'm alive today? Yeah. And I think sometimes if you are so laser focused on what that next thing is, you miss all of the little things on the path to get there. You know, I think we talk a lot on the show about the journey versus the summit or the, you know, the sense of adventure is, is not always like getting to the top. It's about taking a break and pausing and appreciating where you are on the journey and how are we helping others? How are we contributing to this journey? You know, I think it's, it's a lot to be desired, I think, along the way, as much as it is to get to the top or to get to wherever you think you're supposed to be going. I think that's fascinating. I have long had a mantra, and this started way back when. Um, actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was on a road trip with a friend of mine, and we had our palms read. This is the weirdest story. I can't believe I'm telling you this. And and they looked at her palm, and they're like, you need to enjoy life more. And I was like, I will help you do that. I'm really good at that. <laughs> so it's kind of become my little life mantra to like, how can I help people enjoy life? And Usually it's the simple things that, you know, really makes a day brighter or someone's life a little easier. It doesn't necessarily have to be these big things. So I'm kind of curious too, you know, in your little world, has there been like a good guiding, I don't want to say mantra or anything that's a little more deeper than I probably would go, but are there things that you see along the way that just help remind you when you're stuck to get out of that icky place? And, or is it just like, okay, how am I going to nurture myself today and nurture others? Because yeah, it's like, once we get to those accomplishments or whatever, oh, I've been saving for this trip. Now I had the trip. Like, it's so great to be able to say, oh yeah, I did this or I did this. Like, like, sure. Like, oh, I wrote this book. Like, right. That was a major accomplishment of that. Also besides joy, how can we access daily joy and fulfillment? And fulfillment, again, it it seems like we're trained to see what that looks like, but what does it feel like to be fulfilled? And for me, both the joy and the fulfillment often comes from small things. It does come from big stuff too, but really it's the day-to-day stuff. And so that is like looking at, and and I have this um, daily connection journal that I created that on it, one of the things is, is noting what is their daily, a daily win or joy And it could be something like really small, like a daily win is like, oh, I got a reply from that email, (laughs) whatever. Or my kids actually ate the food that I ordered at the restaurant. (laughs) Like that's a huge win. But like taking the moment to celebrate that, huh? Like again, the small stuff, the joy, like I went outside and looked at the sky. 
whatever those things are. And then also a spot to acknowledge yourself daily is a part of the journal. What can I acknowledge myself for today? Because again, I think we're so like, I haven't done enough. I haven't done this yet. This hasn't happened. And so just taking that moment, what can I acknowledge myself? And even if I did nothing today, I laid on the couch and I streamed like entire season of a show. Like I am so whatever you want to say about yourself. And it's like, oh, acknowledge yourself for making choices that brought you joy. I acknowledge myself for nurturing myself. Probably there was a reason that you needed to do that, right? And we're so used to like beating ourselves up for so looking at where can we like celebrate ourselves and acknowledge ourselves. I think a better way to phrase it is, so I know you have kids, you know, like how do you help nurture this feeling or these questions or this practice with your kids to help nurture them along the way as, as well as yourself? That's a good question. I do try to ask them or like, let's highlight on what was fun? What made you laugh? Let's acknowledge these small things. Music is a big one, you know, in our house too. And we're like, yeah, put on music and have dance parties and stuff. And then, yeah, like I, one thing, especially when I'm super frustrated with them, I started instituting like nightly walks because their energy seemed like they're just fighting about everything. And and that is something that is my go-to when I'm feeling like overwhelmed with life, my own stuff or the world or just who knows what's going on. And it's me just like going outside and being in nature. And nature really reminds me to being present to the beauty of life and the cycles of life. And that, yeah, sometimes yeah. like things are dying and some things are growing and, you know, like whatever. And so I, I am like getting them outside and to just, let's just get outside and like, oh, look at that flower. And look at this, like really like noticing the beauty of the world around us is something I do myself and I do do with my kids. Let's snap out of it and go be present in nature. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because they will sometimes fight me on it or like one will be fighting me and the other, but they end up like, yeah. like really loving it. Yeah. I think sometimes just that change of environment, it like resets them a little bit. I have three kids too. And there's something magical about outside time. When I can't handle them, I'm just like, go outside for five minutes. You can come back in five minutes, but I need a break. You need a break. And there's something about yeah. like the fresh air. They come back. They even, I know this sounds odd, but there's like a smell about outside fresh air that's even like more enlightening or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just better. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I want to give you a chance to chat a little bit about your book. I know you have this book that just launched earlier this year. So tell us about your book and, and where people can find it. Yeah. I mean, as I said, it sort of, it stems from the cutting the word should out of my life years ago. And even though I gave the that word up ugh, back, that was in, back in 2008. So yeah, I'm like over a decade ago, I don't even know. And like I said, it had an immediate effect on my life that I felt that I like saw, but I realized that it took, you know, cause I'm like, I, why did it sometimes be like, why did it take me so long to write? If this was the first book I was going to write, I could have written it years ago, but I don't think I could have because of like all the deeper insight being this committed showed me and like all the ways that it really affects us. So it is, the book is all about, you know, taking the word shut out of your life, but it's not like, it's like, how could you write a 16 chapter book at that? So it's really just uses that point to look at the ways like, our doubts and our fears, like where we are telling ourselves that we're not enough, how we have a hard time like setting boundaries and we're too much of a people pleasers or like uh, just looking at all sorts of different ways that we are often not allowing ourselves to fully experience our own lives 
because we're just so caught up in the shoulds and doubts and fears and not enoughness. So it's F the shoulds, do the wants, get clear on who you are, what you want and why you want it. And that's not necessarily like this big, this is who I am and this is what I want in my life and this is why I want it like that. It it can be that, but it's also more so an in the moment thing. So I'm going to be giving you all the insight I have gained <laughs> from being so hyper-focused on this for over a decade so that you can utilize these very easy tools and really just questions to ask yourself so that you can be in the moment looking at, well, why are you making that choice? Why are you doing that? Why are you telling yourself you're lazy or you're not good enough or blah, 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 blah. And then being able to swap that into starting to let yourself look at what you want or even like what you want to believe about yourself. You can get the book. It's at ftheshouldsdothewants.com. There's links for all the places. And I still have some bonuses that were like early order bonuses. And a couple of them are still there where you get extra videos and stuff. But yeah, you can look it up at all the places. Yeah. Awesome. You also have a podcast and I want to just mention, because this is how I found you. And I think it's really fascinating. The Claim It podcast. I have really found your messages and some of your guests have been really amazing. You know, do you want to talk a little bit about the podcast and where people can find you there as well? The Claim It podcast. I really love the people that I get to connect with and you were on, or, well, we recorded soon. I don't know whose episode will come out first, <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, I have conversations with people and I, I don't accept people based on like their pitches. Um, so a lot of times you might not know, like you're like, oh, I can come on your podcast and talk about this, 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 or this with your audience. And that's usually great, but I want to know about people's journey. So everybody that's on my podcast, we have conversations and going through from high school days to where they are now. And like, I, I just love how people are so open <laughs> It's like such a podcast or such a cool, cool thing. Like you'll just show up and like, I can ask you whatever I want. Like, like most people are mm -hmm. so open and like, we really go into their life journey and, and seeing that for pretty much nobody is it this like straight upward path that it's like this start out here and then this and then the, the, like twists and turns and getting all of these no's or they've had like five careers before then they did this thing that now like people know them for and just stuff. And I just like having these conversations to hopefully show listeners out there that it's like everybody, yeah, like has their own life path and there's not one way to do things. And that what we think and see of like, wow, that person's so successful or that person has it all together, that we are all humans that have struggles and that still have fears and doubts once they have this success or whatever the thing is. So I just have love having conversations with people like, yeah, being real and showing their journey. Yeah. Not just the shiny, glossy stuff. And people with shiny, glossy stuff, right? Yeah, which, yeah, a lot of them, they have. They have accomplished a lot. Or I'm like, wow, I want to talk to you about this. And But seeing like, yeah, they are also a real human yes. that has had a lot of real struggles and right. continues to. Yes. I think we sometimes, it's so easy to put things up on a pedestal of like, oh, they have the idyllic life. And uh, having worked with a lot of different people in a lot of different sectors of the community, not just in the community, but like in business and in, in worlds and stuff. It's just fascinating that nobody's life is perfect. Even if it kind of looks like it on the outside, it really isn't. And getting intimate and learning those stories behind them, it really shines in your podcast. So thank you. And I appreciate all the work that you do to bring them on and, and to extract those stories. They're great. 
Thank you. And yeah, and it's back again, which I was bringing up earlier that often we are busy chasing the life we think we should have based on what it looks like, whether that's what our appearance, whatever, like, you know, these accomplishments, like once I have this, then I will feel that. And we're so focused on what that we think that will look like. But no, what's more important is what your life feels like. And that doesn't mean it feels like awesome at like 24 seven, because like that's the reality of life. Again, so that's looking at your choices and when you're doing the dishes and, you know, like all of those small things that seem small, but that can really weigh on you and how you feel about yourself as a human. I feel like it's empowering to be like, look at me, look at those dishes I have over there from yesterday that I haven't done yet. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. I'm so lazy. I'm so this. I'm not the worst. I'm not so lazy. I've been doing all of these <laughs> other things. And so making that see like that's an empowering choice. This feels great for me that I've been focusing on these things and I'm going to do those dishes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Trisha. This has been such an enlightening conversation. I think you have so many tools and tips around mindset, around just, we didn't even mention your app either, the daily inspiration app on um... Google Play or Apple. It's called Own Your Awesome. And it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. And you can go, once you have it downloaded, you can go into like the the little three line things and choose daily and set a time. So you get a reminder to go pull a card because, you know, as humans, we forget to do the things. (laughs) that make us feel good or that we want to do. So you can get a little reminder like, oh, okay, it's 1 p.m. What's my message? Or it's 9 a.m. Whatever time you feel like you want those messages to come. But you can also open it at any time. And it's so funny how people will tell me like it gives them the exact card they needed. They'll be like, what is this magic? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I love hearing that. It's it's got magic juju. It's sensing your energy. It was programmed by magic. (laughs) I paid a lot for that programming. No, just kidding. Oh, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on Ordinary Sherpa. It's been such an interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I was so excited for this conversation, especially in the new year as you're thinking through a lot of goals and thoughts. I really learned a lot from this episode. So it really kind of brought things and grounded them for me. I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, Trisha was living her dream as a sound engineer next to musical icons living their dreams of making music. However, when her dad died suddenly, it shook her more than any anticipated loss. As she states, I wanted to shake people up to be present in their life. Even people who appeared to have it all, living their dream life, struggled with feeling like they were enough and finding daily joy. Number two, Trisha was living her dream life. She kept getting pulled back into it and loved the identity that came with it and still had a yearning for what's next. Number three, music tour life provided everything for her and offered her a building community of people you love like family in some ways. There were also toxic environments. Ironically, the bigger tours, bigger venues with bigger artists that she initially defined success by were actually the most toxic environments. Number four, taking a pause allowed her to go deep into herself. By giving up the word should and changing it to want gave her the power and ability to support others being present in their life. Being present doesn't mean you ignore the struggles of life. It means you recognize the realities of life and still make space for joy. Number five, even though she lived life on her terms, it was surprising how present the word should was embedded in her language and because of that, her mentality. In the exercise of eliminating should, she would catch herself and pause, noticing how often she said the word should and was stuck with the question, well, what can I say instead? 
Number six, just paying attention to this one word had her examining her thoughts, feelings, and truth, then having the ability to not take that as her truth. Should makes us think outside of ourselves. Replacing it with want brought it back to me and owning that thought, feeling, or belief. Number seven, when people notice and work through their should lists, it often reveals that people might not know what they want. We have such extensive should files, so asking why do I want that can help go deeper. Number eight, giving yourself the ability to focus on why offers clarity on impact and why you might want to be doing that thing or give flexibility and voice to how else you could do it. In the meditation example, maybe I just take three breaths instead of sitting in focused meditation for a while. We keep ourselves from doing what we want based on what we think it should look like. Number nine, when things feel stuck, how can I make space for joy or how can I nurture myself? So often we are pursuing something bigger and our worth is tied up in that bigger thing. How can you make space to take care of yourself, to nurture yourself, do things that bring you joy and celebrate I am alive today? Number 10, it seems we are trained to know what fulfillment looks like, but what does it feel like? For me, it comes from the day-to-day small stuff. Walks outside are a strategy to redirect negative energy and practicing how to notice and be present in nature. There are a number of links. Trisha has a ton of resources, and I've got them all linked up in the show notes. Uh, After the Shoulds, Do the Wants is her book, her website, TrishaHoffman.com, the Claim It podcast, Own Your Awesome, all the links and all the places and social media. But I hope as you heard this message today and as, as you listened to this podcast today, it got you thinking, like, what do I want and how and why do I want those things? I think it's really offers some great clarity and also it gets us unstuck when we're maybe in a season of goal setting and feeling like we're striving or detaching ourselves from a previous identity. It can sometimes be a great exercise in letting go and unwinding, but also having clarity. I hope this podcast finds you in an adventurous mindset today to be brave and keep going. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.